Greetings and welcome back to KZMU Radio Book Club uh, with your hosts, me, Sherry Zollinger. And of course, uh, our, from the library, we have Jesse with us this evening, afternoon, late evening, uh, late afternoon, evening. Hi, Jesse. Hi, everyone. And we have uh, Alyssa with us again. And Alyssa, it, interestingly enough, has now become a hybrid of uh, the bookstore and the library. Right, Alyssa? Hello, Alyssa. Yes. <laughs> I'm a double agent. <laughs> <laughs> she knows all the things from the library and the bookstore. So uh, we're happy that she stayed with us. And um, the library is happy to have her on that side for a, a little bit during the week as well we sure are today she's a representative of the bookstore but and uh um going forward there may she may be she may be library representing <laughs> yeah <laughs> monday evenings we should mention that this is pre-recorded um sherry's going to be traveling monday when this airs so we are um, we are pre-recording this for you on friday yeah. morning we are re- we are um, pre-recording on Friday morning at 11 a.m. And so we'll try and uh, keep our time um, references at a minimum so we won't confuse you all. Uh, but we're happy to be back here together, uh, talking books, um, giving you uh, some of the latest and greatest. And of course, once a month, this ends up being one of my highlights and um it's great to uh, spend some time with jesse and Alyssa in this capacity so happy to be here happy to be with all of you so today we're going to you know go every week or every uh, month we start book club with just a sense for what's happening at the library and what's happening at the bookstore as far as events or things that, you know, just uh, we're excited about. So why don't we go ahead and uh, have Jesse talk to us a little bit about what's going on over there at the library. And Alyssa, you can chime in there and chime into the bookstore too. So <laughs> so I neglected to grab my, uh, my notes on what's upcoming, but I think I can remember. We're excited um, for Wednesday, June 14th, seven o'clock here at the library. Uh, astronomer Chris White is going to um, come do a presentation on eclipse science. So eclipses have presented the perfect conditions for making significant scientific discoveries um, from proving that the Earth is indeed round to um, uh, to proving Einstein's theory of general relativity. Eclipses Um, are just perfect circumstances for making great discoveries. So we are getting ready for the annular eclipse coming up in October, uh, which here in Utah, we'll get to see, uh, not a total, it's going to miss us a little bit. We'll still be able to see a pretty spectacular um, portion of the annular eclipse. So come learn about eclipse science uh, here at the library on Wednesday, June 14th at 7 o'clock. That is free. And then on June 22nd, which is a Thursday evening, we're going to be at Star Hall. Uh, Author and river historian Roy Webb will be concluding his three-part series um, on river history, showing archival films um, 
We are focusing this time on Glen Canyon in the old days before the dam. And uh, even if you've missed the first two, uh, these work as standalones just fine. Come come join us. Um, you'll never meet anyone with more river history in, in his head than, uh, than Roy Webb. And the films are just fascinating. Um, so again, that's going to be June 22nd at 7 o'clock at Star Hall, and that is free as well. Highly recommended if you are interested in the river or not just just natural environment at all. Really good time. And I will leave it there. Uh, Jesse, speaking of river history, will you give us a little sense about what happened at the library last night with Brave the Riot? We had a really great, uh, great event. We had author Melissa Seveny join us for uh, a talk and reading. She just published a great uh, nonfiction book called Brave the Wild River, the untold story of two women who mapped botany of the Grand Canyon. In 1938, uh, two botanists named Lois Jotter and uh, Elzada Clover put together a river expedition with the now famous Norm Nevels to go down, uh, starting in Green River, Utah, float down the green, through the confluence, through Cataract Canyon, <laughs> and then through the Grand Canyon botanizing, which had never been done before. And no, um, no white women had ever made that entire trip, not even the Grand Canyon portion of that trip before. Um, it, it got quite a lot of publicity at the time. Um, Many, many people thought women had no business on the river. <laughs> they would be worse than useless. And uh, and um, they definitely proved everyone wrong. So this this book, Brave the Wild River, is incredibly well written. It's a very interesting story. Melissa's writing is just like lyrical is is the, the poetic and lyrical is the word I would use to describe it. And the amount of research that went into this is just phenomenal. I really recommend the book, Brave the Wild River. Bookstore has copies coming in in a few days. I think sure yes. sold out last night. That's great. And the library has uh, several copies, too, that can be out. Um, that was a wonderful event. Melissa did a really, really good, great presentation. I think everyone that came really enjoyed it. And that was um, co-hosted by the bookstore here at the library. Yeah, that was, uh, it was wonderful to see when someone can take... Um, these these tracks of history and literally bring enliven them, literally bring them back to life. And yes, with journal entries and letters yeah. to friends and family, as well as just all kinds of uh, research. The the botanical specimens that they brought yeah. back um, are still in um, university museums and collections uh, in several places in the country. Um, and, and I have to mention her, I really appreciated the really wide perspective that she brought to this story. She included um, indigenous people and Native Americans uh, perspective on a lot of what was going on and the fact that they were mar not just marginalized and ignored their wisdom and their science that they'd already, you know, had a science of body yeah. going back yeah. hundreds, maybe thousands of years, had managed the land beautifully in that whole time and then western culture at colonizers um came in and and uh really really botched botched things in many ways um with the the park service and um removing people from from their homeland to uh to create national parks pretty joined in of white people 
Uh, anyhow, she she really um, she really did a lot of careful research to include uh, these original points of view and original wisdom. Um, yeah. So there's a lot. She hits a lot. There's there's great river adventure, feminism, science, and um, and indigenous perspectives as well. Perfect. It's great for a really it's a really great book. And uh, I will hush now. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, did you have any thoughts on uh, the book or the event uh, over there last night? Um, I started reading the book, the Brave the Wild River mm-hmm. book, and I started reading it as someone who I've floated the daily mm-hmm. one time a year and a half ago. <laughs> I have very much like river background, except for I know that there are river runners here. I know that the river is a huge, a huge part of this area. And it, I am always really curious about how water is being used and water rights. And so this was a really, really interesting way to come at it because I also am not a scientist so it didn't really occur to me how would we have any record of the type of plant life and botany that is in this area and it's incredible that it's these two women and so I really enjoyed it and um, Melissa Seveny the author also provided a lot of really great recommendations at the end of her talk last night too for other books and so I'm just adding them all to my list of books to read because I'm using the summer to just read books recommended to me. Oh, I love that. And I will mention, since we can just mention books and then get a list going, I did take a picture of her recommendations, which I thought was a really good uh, little set of recommendations. So they are um, unrooted and that is by Aaron Zimmerman. Damna- not out yet. Not out yet. That coming one's out that one's yeah coming out. And then Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. It sounds like those two know each other. Of course, Braiding Sweetgrass by Kimmer, Robin Wall, um, which we love and we've sold I don't know a thousand copies. Um, and then I love that she she got in uh, Ellen Malloy's Ravens Exile. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is, you know, of course, Ellen Malloy. And then Down Canyon uh, by uh, Zwinger. And Are you reading that right now, Alyssa? Um, Down- no, not Down Canyon. I started reading Down River. Uh, oh, yeah. Heather Hanson. Han- <laughs> Hanson. That's a, that's a one that uh, we actually had her a couple years ago when that book came out. And then, of course, Emerald Mile. Um by Fadarko. There's a there's a head in the way, and I was like, it's Fadarko. Yes. <laughs> um, so I thought that was really wonderful. And what's interesting, and I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but I really hope that our listeners um, will will get out there and find a copy or um, read this book. I think because um, it it has a lot of local. Um, interest and identification and it was and also like the feminist story within it and this whole idea that um, women were um, they, they were sort of told that the the, the Colorado 
would not hold them. Like it, it wasn't a good idea for women to get, to go on the river. You know, it just wasn't women and the river of the Colorado would not mix. And it's interesting because she started the whole story because she was um, given a chance to actually physically look and touch the hat that one of the botanists wore. And it was covered with um, writing and signatures. And one of them was from, was it from Buzz? Or was it from yeah, the, Holmstrom, Bo- Holmstrom, yes. Holmstrom? And it basically said on this hat, um, thank you for... What was it basically? It was to the thank. Yeah, thank you for proving me wrong. Proving me wrong that women can. Women who badly prove me mistaken. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's very. Yes. Very good. Yeah. He was famously quoted as having said, "Women may have their place in the world." Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, But they have no place on the on the Colorado. Yeah. And so it was just this kind of wonderful, um, just amazing mix. We had probably 30, 40 people there, which is a great turnout for, for Moab. And I, I do want to mention that because this week was so powerful there, on Tuesday night, we also um, got to uh, show up and, and sell books and have a good time with Temple Grandin. Uh, the um, Museum of Moab had brought Temple in for their historical livestock programming that they've been doing for some time. Um, literally, like what is the life, the historical livestock, you know, the history of livestock in this area. And of course, we know Temple, among other things, um, is very connected to uh, livestock, especially cows. Uh, but anyway, uh, she ended up at the Star Hall. There were over 200 people there. Uh, we came with her new book just out a few months ago called Visual Thinking. And so she was able to kind of give a talk um, on the way that our brains work and the different forms of thinking. And her whole thing is that she never was able to learn algebra. And she has kind of like a, a brain that doesn't work in that way. And so she's done a lot of research and a lot of thinking about how brains are kind of divided. And it was like objective visual um the other one was something about uh spatial and then verbal and i was like okay i'm all verbal i can't think in all those other terms you know so it was interesting to kind of see that but it was wonderful to meet her uh everyone that walked in she was signing at the front and they were just sort of start starstruck like oh I'm here for her. And there she is. And she can sign my book right now because she wanted to just sign right away. So, um, of course, for our listeners out there, Temple Grandin, um, I think she's maybe in her late 60s, 70s at this point, but a pioneer in, um, you know, she is autistic. And of course, she's a pioneer in helping us understand the autistic brain and in particular her brain. And so... Uh, that was a just like a double header here in Moab, kind of amazing. Um, okay, nice. yeah. So I just wanted to mention we do have a uh, we do have an event coming up in June. Uh, it's actually June twenty sixth, seven p.m. at Back of Beyond Books. David Gessner will be in conversation with his new book, A Traveler's Guide to the End of the World: Tales of Fire wind and water 
And that is a Tory House Press book. Of course, we love Tory House and work closely with uh, Tory House Press. So that is going to be at the bookstore June 26th at 7 p.m. Uh, Alyssa, anything else we want to mention coming in from the bookstore? Yes. Really, the bookstore, we're just hitting our stride with uh, the summer starting. Graduation was last night. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to all the graduates. (laughs) And... um, you know, bringing all whatever new titles are kind of striking our fancy and mm-hmm. all kinds of fun stuff in the bookstore. So I guess nothing really particular. Yeah, we're just, just having a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just looking at books. Mm-hmm. Always looking at books. That's, you know, people often ask, like, how does your brain hold it all? And I think you could ask all of us, you know, um, how does how do we hold it all? And I guess the, the key is really not holding it. It's just letting it run like a river through your mind, you know, <laughs> and then being able to recall it <laughs> at, at some given time. So, um, OK, so that's great. We've kind of uh, got a sense for what's going on at both the library and the bookstore. Just a reminder, you're listening to Radio Book Club on KZMU with Jesse, Sherry, and Alyssa from Back of Beyond Books and the library. So let's talk a little bit about, of course, every week we check in with the indie bestseller list. Uh, This, of course, is a, a collection of books that we, as indie booksellers will choose and so it you know so it often does correspond with the new york times bestseller list but this is specific to all the little indies out there and we all upload our stats and we 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 carry forth every week this uh, bestseller list and um i'm wondering Alyssa, is there anything on that list you want to mention today Honestly, not not anything new. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this one last month, but the one that I've just been the most interested in is on the nonfiction uh-huh. hardcover list, Monster. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. A fan's dilemma. And I, ju- I just can't talk about that book enough or think about that book enough <laughs> because <laughs> it j- just the idea of where like how far does genius take you and what does genius excuse you from as a person and there are so many people that have put out incredible artistic work over all of human history and they also personally are kind of monstrous Mm. and how do you hold that those two truths and tension and this book um, the author Claire Dederer does an incredible job, and I won't keep going on and on about it because I am certain that I talked a lot about it last time too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she has this really wonderful kind of witty, sort of snarky almost a uh, voice in there. Mm-hmm. So you're going along and you're feeling like she's really giving you almost a journalistic understanding and a historical understanding of these, these uh, artists, but then she'll throw in her own little opinion, which is kind of wonderful, you know? So um, she's got a great writing style. Jesse, anything you want to kind of tap into on, on our bestseller list? 
Sure. Well, there's a couple books that the library uh, in general is uh, excited about. Uh, number one on the indie hardcover bestseller list uh, is Abraham Verghese's new book, The Covenant of Water. I don't know how many pages this book has, 800 pages maybe. It's a big one. Um, but The Covenant of Water, by all accounts, is uh, just another gorgeous, gorgeously written story. It's on my list to read, but I haven't got there yet. Um, Abraham Bergesi is best known for Cutting for Stone, an amazing story about two Ethiopian twin brothers who become uh, gynecologists, um, which is uh, something women's, women's health in their country was sorely lacking. Um, and women died constantly of very, very easy, easily remedied um, uh, health conditions. Anyhow, um, that story is just full of, of just deep humanity, beautiful writing, great, believable characters. It was a wonderful story. That was quite a few years ago, maybe 10. Um, he also wrote a biography called The Tennis Partner, I want to say, or a memoir, I believe it was. Anyway, The Covenant of Water is Abraham Bergesi's new one. Um, and uh, by all accounts, that's just amazing. Um, I am curious to hear if anyone has read the new Tom Hanks book. He's written a novel called The Making of Another Major Motion Picture Masterpiece. <laughs> a little tongue-in-cheek there, I believe. Um, that is a, a novel, a story about um, making a movie and, and all of its messy, uh, messy glory. Curious to hear if anyone's uh, read that. Do you know of anyone? I has? know of no one so far. I'm very curious, too. Okay. Alyssa, um, do you know uh, of anyone that's read it so far? I, I don't know of anyone that's read it so far. I have read a couple of reviews, and from what I've read of the reviews, people are most talking about how, like, just the personality of Tom Hanks himself comes really out, shines through. Yeah. You know, like his kind of idealism. And it's and they're not saying that it's all just like the pomp and glitter of motion picture making, but that he's like hearkening back to like this golden era, quote unquote, of Hollywood. And so it seems like it will be a good, fun read, especially for fans of Tom Hanks. Right. It seems like a direct mm -hmm. line right there. If you yes. love his work, you'll love his work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I should mention, or we should mention, the Pulitzer Prize winners uh, came in last month. Demon Copperhead, Barbara Kingsolver, and Trust by Hernan Diaz. Hernan Diaz. Uh, I have read Demon Copperhead and continue to be kind of astounded at the responses on this book some absolutely love and some can't even get through the first 10 15 pages and i think what's interesting is there's a voice a very 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 distinct voice that's that starts out with you know it feels like king solver has channeled this boy this 12 year old boy who is the protagonist through the entire thing it it's um it's got i don't know i did i i use the word channeled very deliberately 
I really liked the book. Um, but I can also see there's been folks that have mentioned that the voice was was affected or there was it just wasn't quite believable. And so I, I just continue to sort of love the, um, the the those that enjoy it, those that don't. I really like it when a book can give us that array. Um, and I have not read Trust. We have had a couple of um, staff members who have read it and liked it. Um, have either one of you read, did you read Into the Distance, uh, his earlier novel? I haven't. No, I have not. I'm yeah. definitely, my interest is definitely peaked with trust. It'll, it'll, I'll probably get to it. Yeah. One day. Yeah. And uh, one of our colleagues who works at the bookstore loved Into the Distance. And um, so did Andy. And then, but then Andy didn't like trust. So it's, it'll be interesting. Uh, but they picked two this, this year, two, two fiction, um, two for fiction rather than just one. And I do want to mention that on the hardcover fiction top sellers, uh, still the postcard by Anne Barrest is still uh, on the list. It was, it came on last week and is still on there. I did read this one and it's a, it's translated. It's a translation coming out of Europa Press, which I, Europa Editions, which I really love that little press. They do a lot of translated work. And um, this was actually translated by Tina Cover. I do want to just read um, just a little bit in the front cover here about the book. Uh, Anne Barres, the the postcard is among the most acclaimed and beloved French novels of recent years. Luminous and gripping to the very last page, it is an enthralling investigation into family secrets, a poignant tale of mothers and daughters, the story of a family devastated by the Holocaust, and partly restored through the power of storytelling and a vivid portrait of 20th century Parisian intellectual and artistic life. So that kind of gives you a little taste of what's going on in the postcard. It basically just starts with um, there, you know, there's this wonderful matrilineal five generation story and you start kind of right in the middle with one of the mothers and she gets a postcard that's that is basically just naming the ancestors that it just had the names of of her ancestors who died at Auschwitz and so it's sort of there's a little bit of mysterious element as to who sent the postcard and in finding that out you find out the whole history and what's interesting with this one is and this is Anne's history um, so she's used the you know the fiction to tell her historical her her history um, but it it looks like it actually is her story um, so wonderful. And that kind of hits all my boxes as far as, um, Paris and history and blah, 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 blah. So, um, and that one's still on there. Um, I looks like as far as trade paperback, uh, number one, of course is trust and then uh trade paperback not that's fiction non-fiction killers of the flower moon by david gran uh and of course that kind of rose up because uh it's now a major motion picture 
done by Scorsese that was uh, that opened at Cannes a couple of weeks ago. So we can't keep that one in, it seems. <laughs> and I haven't read that. Have either one of you read Killers of the Flower Moon? No, I sure haven't. Alyssa? No, that is on the list, though. Uh, my <laughs> I know. Last book, so it's coming up on my list that I'm going to read. So, Alyssa, you're going to be reading all recommendations this summer. Yes, only books that have been recommended to me. And some of them are admittedly books that have been recommended to me for years <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I just haven't gotten around to. So that's also... I haven't like this past couple of weeks, haven't been super up on the indie bestseller list right. because I've been going into this archive of, oh man, someone's been telling me about Jitterbug Perfume by oh. Tom Robinson. Almost a decade at this point. And I'm finally reaping it. <laughs> Jesse, have you read have you read Jitterbug Perfume? Yes, I sure have. Oh. It's been a long time, but I uh it's one of my favorite. I don't love all Tom Robbins no. books, uh, but that's one that I do like. Yeah, I love that one. And I do love um, even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Yeah. But Jitterbug, um, there, there is a... So when my siblings and I uh, sort of made our way out of the Mormon church, it was because of reading. You know, we, we, would, we were all kind of close in age, so it was this cross pollination of books and the jitterbug perfume was one that affected all of us uh and you know there's this idea in there that there's there's beets there's perfume and the the jitterbug is basically going into hot water and cold water and and basically it's this kind of health remedy and so we still say you know let's go do the jitterbug which is basically let's get into cold, hot water and then get into cold water and so uh, that's just a little side note uh Alyssa, one one more from your uh summer any anything else that comes up from that reading list oh gosh yes so well so many but (laughs) um the other one that i had just finished was weather by Mm. jenny awful or ophel oh how was that i've been curious about that one for a very long time really enjoyed it Mm. i am also a huge fan of any type of like stream of conscious writing where it's not necessarily clear what is like when the transitions are or what you're transitioning to because for me that's just the way that my brain works all the time it's there's always like this constant you know just running of thoughts and sometimes it's full sentences and sometimes it's images and it's kind of all over the place so any author that can capture that feeling is like chef's kiss to me so <laughs> so weather is taking place um roughly it's not very specifically stated but roughly around the time of uh like 2016 2015 2016 when it's becoming clear that trump really has a leg up in this election and then he wins but that's not ever overtly stated it's just um this kind of undercurrent and 
this undercurrent of existential dread that mm. the main character is talking about and thinking through and the existential dread that she encounters in the people and relationships that she is with like throughout her life in this time period and it just is a really fun read and i loved it because i i can completely relate to internal running thoughts of existential dread so i was just <laughs> like oh i got the person <laughs> and that is fiction yes 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 yeah. and it has a wonderful cover it does yeah tell me the name of this book again weather Oh, that was Weather by Jeannie Offal. Yes. Okay. okay, gotcha. Yes, yes. And she did another nonfiction book before that about art, right? Tiffany, am I thinking of something else? Never mind. The, I, I think you uh, might be thinking of, um, possibly you're thinking of, is it Lang? Olivia? Yeah, Lang. Yeah, that's uh, who you're thinking yep, of. Yeah, my bad. You're wow, right. I can't believe oh, I tapped oh. into your brain and found that. That was... <laughs> That was cool. That's great. All right. Weather by Jenny Awful. Good. Well, we should mention at this point that you are tuned in to KZMU Community Radio on 106.7 and 90.1. This is Radio Book Club, your monthly taste of what we've all been reading and thinking about um, with the library and back of Beyond Books. Yep. And yeah, thank you so much for being with us. And let's continue. Thanks for doing that plug. I was about just going to do it. So thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, Jesse, let's kind of tap in. Let's tap your brain for a minute. Uh, What are you reading and excited about? All right. Well, I think I mentioned that I was reading a book about the takes place in Sweden amongst the Sami reindeer herding culture. Um, and I, I finished that story and I can, I can heartily recommend it. It is, um, takes place in modern times and how this, the Sami indigenous people of the, um, of Lapland are, are how, how their lives are in modern times and how they've, uh, they're uh, adjusted culturally and how, um, Western culture has adapted to them. Uh, this is a story that really could be told almost anywhere. It is indigenous peoples having been displaced and in and fighting to keep their culture and their religion intact and um, their way of life relevant. Um, they are they are discriminated against. They are reviled for getting the government assistance to keep their rain. You know, the reindeer herds have migration routes that are protected under some governments, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the rest of the community resents that. In this story, in particular, um, this yet this young girl reindeer herd is being poached and slaughtered, cruelly tortured in some cases. Um, and the police refuse to do anything about it. It's just being ignored, and every complaint is just shoved under the table, basically, not even investigated for years and years. This young woman grows up, now she's um, in her early 20s, and begins to have a little bit of a voice and some power and starts to assert herself and um, bring attention to this plight because it has been going on and on and on. Um, and so it's a wonderful peek into this this lifestyle and this life. I read a few months ago, The End of Drunk Time, 
um, that it was about the Sami reindeer herding people uh, a couple hundred, uh, 150 years ago in the, in the, I think the early to mid 1800s. It was a really nice, um, it was very interesting uh, to compare how things have changed and how they have just refused to let go of their their beautiful, beautiful and important culture, their deep relationship with the land, with the reindeer themselves, um, and um, and how they how they are faring. Um, as like I said, it's a story that could be told almost anywhere with the struggle of indigenous people to to keep their identities and cultures alive. Well, thank um, you. What's yeah, the what's yeah, the title of that one again? Oh, I'm sorry. That was called Stolen, and it was by Helen Lestadius. Okay. The previous one was called The End of Drum Time by Sylvie... Pe- I'm going to say her name, last name wrong. Pekinen. Um, anyway, she, I, my, half of my family is Finnish and um, descended from Sami reindeer herding culture, so it's been wow. a really lovely feat for me to, to look, look inside these lives. My mother is a genealogist, and she's traced us up there to Finland as well. Uh, mostly, nice. mostly Swedish. Um, but where are you coming out of, uh, Alyssa? Speaking of history, <laughs> I am not coming from quite so far north. As here, <laughs> I am largely Irish with um, a bit of like Campania Italian in Mm. me. There's almost nothing else but those two. There's (laughs) a wonderful combo. Isn't that a nice combo? I need to of Turkish that is like traced like way, way, way back, but it, and it's a small amount, but other than that, it's basically Irish and Italian. Nice. You know, themes pop up and radio book club, and sometimes it's where where we come from, <laughs> what what yeah. our history is. Also, we can multitask. I was noticing because we're doing this pre recorded on Zoom. I was looking over there, and Alyssa's just painting her fingernails. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so, I was thinking uh, yesterday as I was thinking about our gathering and book club i asked some of the some of our my fellow uh, uh, booksellers because i was thinking about pride month of course it's june and it, you know the it's just not looking so good out there in the climate right now there's a lot going on and um thinking about pride up in salt lake city and and just wanting to mention you know and then thinking about my own sort of uh the books that i've read with with queer motifs and uh, and the books that i in a way kind of was able to um use as uh, uh inspiration as far as coming into my own identity and i asked i asked Kali, one of our booksellers which book maybe from a more queer perspective influenced her and she she says this i just want to mention this is in a text i know this isn't in the queer pantheon but i would argue that it is but left hand of darkness could be my pick the whole world she builds with fluid gender is amazing and the bond between those two major characters Woo, 
love that book so much. So I thought that was that's a nice. Her, is that Ursula Le Guin? That's Ursula Le Guin's Left Hand of Darkness. And nice. um, I realized that in the canon that is Le Guin, I have never read Left Hand of Darkness. So that's going to be one of my summer books ahead of me. Good. I want to read that one too. I'm going to check. Okay. Alyssa, did you say you had or hadn't read Left Hand of Darkness? So my list is kind of extensive. <laughs> it's getting big. Can we quit trying to add things to your list for you? <laughs> well, that, sorry, that one was already on there. But if you What's do it? have any recommendations, if you could wait until after the summer so that it can see <laughs> through this list, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I love that. You got it. I have an interesting segue to your um your thoughts, Sherry. I'm kind of jumping in the line here, Alyssa. Yeah. Forgive me, but this is a good time, I think, to talk about a graphic novel. You guys know I'm very uh, really fond of graphic novels. This one is called Flung Out of Space, inspired by the indecent adventures of Patricia Highsmith. So um Patricia Highsmith right. uh, passed away in '95. Um, I believe, but she was a queer writer who had a great deal of trouble with her queer identity mm -hmm. um, growing up. She she struggled. She struggled with it. She was passionate about other women. Um, she didn't like people very much in general. Mm -hmm. In fact, she was a really unpleasant. She was spicy, by, very spicy. By all accounts, feisty yeah. and cold. Although, to be fair, she struggled with depression her whole life, and that may have been partially a result. Um, she, because queerness uh, in the the fifties, forties, fifties, and sixties, when she was coming into her own, um, was. Uh, not just an indecency and a shameful thing it was uh, basically criminal yeah and she it, it gave her a lot of trouble trouble in life she tried to have relationships with men never never liked it at all and was just was always falling in love with women um she wrote um she was famous most famous probably for writing uh the the book um it was called the price of salt it, um uh, but it got made into the Hitchcock movie Strangers on a Train. She had she wrote brilliant, brilliant stories um, and books. Very complicated plot. She also was famous for writing. I'm sorry, I had that Carol. wrong. Yeah, Carol. The Price of Salt was, was the Carol book that later got yeah. turned to Carol, yeah. which was famous for being the first lesbian love story with a happy ending, where the women didn't kill themselves or mm -hmm. um, you know fall into terrible disgrace. Um, and uh, that also was made into a movie a few years ago by starring Kate Blanchett and uh, Rooney Mara, mm -hmm. um, among others. Anyhow, this graphic novel flung out of space um, is is not a, a, bi a strict biography at all. It is merely inspired um, by, and it, it covers the time when she's writing. She's she's writing kind of lowbrow comics, and uh, and. Um, She's working on the script and trying to sell the book um, that, be that became Strangers on a Train um, and struggles with her relationships. And she is seeing therapists to try to cure her homosexuality. None of that is well because that's not who she truly was. And I, I, I posit that her um, a great deal of her depression may have been wound up in... Um, not being accepted for who she was and um, having to live secretly 
um, she, she was actually quite bold um, in, mm-hmm. in real life. Anyway, it, this was a really, really well done graphic novel. Um, she, um, let's see. She went on to she went on to to uh, write many many books. She did all of the talented Mr. Ripley books. I think there mm-hmm. were five of those, um, among among others. But um, I can I can highly recommend this, and it's just a really good peek into her her psychology. She definitely preferred animals over people. A lot <laughs> of this is 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 basically factual, um, but yeah. these uh, many of these any of the incidents here imagine but it's really really well drawn it's done mostly in grays and black and whites with little touches of orange here and there and one of the reviewers points out that the orange sort of represents points of desire Hmm. perhaps whether it's a script that she's working on whether it's a pencil whether it's a piece of clothing a person is wearing anyway i'll have to flip through and think about that a little bit for a graphic novel i really do recommend flung out of space the title um is taken from a quote one of her friends said something like i always admired what a weird girl you are pat (laughs) we're just flung out of space like just no one is like her. She just kind of materialized in this um, as this your life form. Yes. Um, Amazing. Anyway, that is by Grace Ellis and Hannah Templer. And that is a really, really well done. Um, inspired inspired um, story about Patricia Highsmith. High Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I do and love... And I'll let Alyssa be two in a row. <laughs> There. Yeah, I do love uh, Price of Salt. That's often been on my staff picks. Nice. And I like the title Price of Salt better than Carol. But the book then kind of went on to sort of reflect the movie and then it turned into Carol. And so there's all these different um Yeah, renditions. Carol is the title that she yeah. preferred. Do you yeah. know what the Price of Salt refers to? I did not look I can't up. remember. I can't remember. But I still really like that title. Cool. Oh, Alyssa, you want to send us a few exciting recommendations? Well, in I think in the vein of Pride Month, yes, I can't recommend enough T.J. Clune. Mm. The um, yeah, the all of them. On the Cerulean Sea, and my actual pa- favorite is Under the Whispering Door. Um. And I know he's got a new one out. Um, it's called The Lives of Puppets. The Lives of Puppets, yes. So, But one of my favorite things about him as an author is the queer, like, queer identities in his novels and fantasy, fantasy novels are not, like, they make up a huge part of the characters, but the story is not always necessarily about the struggle of being queer within society or um, the so often and all of this absolutely needs highlighting it stories are about how horribly people of with queer identity are treated and that is so so important but there's something to me almost revolutionary about 
the happy endings in queer stories and yeah. the in queer queer relationships and just the wide variety of experiences like just the whole personhood of queer characters in T.J. Klune's novels that just make them so warm and cozy and they lovely are cozy. to just curl up with. You know, what's interesting, Alyssa, in thinking about the fact that he can write such a beautiful, cozy, queer novel, I think speaks to those that came before and did the work Mm -hmm. and did the work and did the work and did the work so that we could let go, open that claw just a little bit, you know, just let go enough to be able to um, just write a novel you know, yeah. with a beautiful, so it was completely normal. This yeah, is just people. With, exactly. Yes, with a beautiful, queer, wonderful little love stories and, and, you know, his philosophical underpinnings. And, um, and so I think I, I feel very, um, just feel, I'm feeling the, the, the weight of that history and, you know, just the, the thankfulness of, of, um, of the of queer history in the sense that so many had to do that work. So many didn't get to write like that. Patricia Highsmith, for example, always Perfect. having to struggle. And I, I've been reading James Baldwin this last few yeah. weeks as well and thinking about, you know, being black and being queer and trying to bloom out of that kind of concrete, you know, just trying to actually get something out there. And I just read Another Country, which is just, it's a, it's a novel of struggle. It really is. As, as compared to Giovanni's Room, which is one of my favorite um, novels of all time, really, let alone queer novels. But, you know, it's as if in that one he was able to do just that, write a a love story. Um, Yes. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he had to go to another country. He had another country, literally had to go to Paris to be able to open that up just a little bit, just just enough to for something that needed to come out that couldn't come back, come out in New York, that couldn't come out in Harlem, you know, so. Um, That's a really excellent perspective. Like the the T.J. Klune books are sort of restful as yeah, compared yeah. with the struggle that mm. the struggle that has gone on before to pave the way for us to be able to just rest in this love. Yeah, and you do, especially well, all of them really. House on the Cerulean Sea. When I got COVID in Rome, I was like, I need a cos the coziest novel that exists, <laughs> and I googled that. I googled that. And that one came up. Nice. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even question it. I was like, that's the one. That's what I'm going to actually listen to it. Um, I would like to mention, it's kind of unexpected, but I've been having all these conversations kind of that came out of, uh, we, you know, at the bookstore, we talk about books. I mean, surprise, surprise. It's one of the best parts of being in probably the library as well, just being able to say, this is what I read. And um, so we've got these conversations going on all of the time. And so I've been in conversation with Matthew and we've been talking. We, we, we actually read another country simultaneously. 
And then that led us oddly to uh, various books. But um, then Matthew was like, well, have you seen the movie in the cut? And this really honestly has nothing to do with another country. It's funny how things can start, you know, firing and then you end up in these uh, on these pathways, book pathways. So he said, you should watch in the cut. And it's, it's a film with Meg Ryan. And she doesn't play American sweet America's sweetheart in this. It's a, it's kind of a erotic thriller is what it is. Uh, mystery. And it's kind of in a way she, it, it, she just played a role that surprised everyone. And it, in a way it kind of shut down her career. Although I think she was ready to be done um, with being a superstar, so to speak. But so I decided that I'd just um, order a copy of the book. So it's a Jane Campion movie film, and it's based on the novels by Susanna Moore. Uh, it's called In the Cut. And I guess what I'd say about this little tiny novel is it is it, it is an erotic thriller. Uh, in fact, the New York Times says a ferociously uninhibited erotic thrill, thriller. But what's beautiful is her language. And I really never read anything by her. And it just it was very curious why Jane Campion would have chosen this book, because I do love Jane Campion as a filmmaker. Um, and... It, the the film itself is so beautifully rendered um, outside of the male gaze. It's like she turns it around, and it's really um, about the the woman in this film. And so, but the what's beautiful about this little novel is the language. It's precise. Um, the one the main character is she's in post nine eleven New York. Uh, she's a uh, just a kind of a basic English teacher, but she's incredibly in love with language. And so um, there's, there, it's very spare, um, but incredibly um, lyrical and poetic. And she's, she's continually uh, meditating on words. And so um, I, I'm not quite done with it yet, but I think I definitely can recommend it. Okay, so we're on a lightning round here. Let's go with Jesse, then we'll go to Alyssa, and uh, we might be done by that time. <sighs> okay, I have a couple patron recommendations for okay. um, nonfiction. For um, there, the one there's one called "Shielded: How the Police Became Untouchable" by Joanna Schwartz. Um, really quick description: In recent years, high-profile murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others have brought much-needed attention to the pervasiveness of police misconduct, yet it remains nearly impossible to hold police accountable for abuses of power. The decisions of the Supreme Court, state and local government, and policymakers have, over decades, made the police all but untouchable. Highly recommended, shielded. Um, several several patrons have just insisted that the must read. Second is a book called Pegasus: How a Spy in Your Pocket Threatens the End of Privacy, Dignity, and Democracy. Um, why Pegasus is widely regarded as the most effective and sought after cyber surveillance system on the market. The system's creative uh, a creator, a private private corporation headquartered in Israel, is not shy about proclaiming its ability to thwart terrorists and criminals. However, this is being used on citizens by nefarious governments all over the world. Um, this is by Laurent Richard and Sandrine Rigaud. 
Pegasus, how a spy in your pocket threatens the end of privacy, dignity, and democracy. Both of those books um, have come highly recommended by patrons who are keeping a close eye on what we should be doing better. Excellent. Thank you, Jesse. Alyssa. Okay, the next book that um, has been recommended to me, <laughs> even though it's brand it's brand new, but I have been hearing a lot about it, is called A Renaissance of Our Own mm. by uh, Rachel Cargill. And it is, uh, Rachel Cargill was really heavily involved in both um, Black Lives Matter and in... Um, elements of me too and then kind of continued on and she started the organization called the loveland foundation which is offering free access to mental health care for black women and girls and so she's been really heavily um involved in justice work and um, anti-racism work and this memoir is about um reimagining how justice can be reached and how you can take care of yourself in the middle of um, really trying circumstances and not just personal trying circumstances, but systemic Mm. systemic issues and how that plays a role in your mental health and your physical well-being and how you how we can reimagine possibilities for the future rather than continuing to try and make a system that is broken work. Mm. Thank you. Do you have one more? Or is that, um, is that it? Let's see. Um, the other book that I just finished this past past month because I read Path of Light by Morgan Shrogan mm-hmm. and one of the books that she recommended in her book uh-huh. was Wolf Killer. Oh, which is nice. Um, yeah. So I did read that. Um, and Wolf Killer was a uh, DNA man who spent a lot of time with the Weatherills. And so his story is translated by um, Louisa Weatherill. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very simple book to read because it's really coming just from their conversations. And she's transcribing some of the lessons that he learned growing up within his culture um, and with his people. And it talks a lot about um, just the the path of light and what Mm -hmm. is the path of light and always um training your thoughts to go toward the good instead of the evil and one of my favorite parts about that book was is just a line that says um a thought is a as a real thing it's a, a solid thing it's mm. not something ephemeral that has no no impact it's it is solid so what whatever you are thinking is impacting mm. yourself people around you beautiful thank you well, we're getting down to the end here. I did want to mention two memoirs. One, uh, it's also won the Pulitzer. It's called Stay True by Hua Xu. And um, it's a memoir of friendship, grief, the search for self, and the solace that can be found through art. I love this book. Um, first generation Taiwanese uh, man who grew up in the in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, it's about his relationship to pop culture as first generation um, Chinese and also uh, his story of his his best friend who was killed when they were in college in a hijacking, uh, carjacking. And so, you know, he, he's written this many, many years later, again, lyrical 
beautiful uh, struggle also with trauma, but um, the the way that he moves through it is absolutely uh, gorgeous, actually. Um, and then the other one is called Consent by... Um, by Vanessa Springori, and this is a uh, memoir that ha- actually has been translated as well. Um, Vanessa, 30 years ago, was the teenage muse of one of c- the countries of France, France's um, most celebrated writers. And in 2019, she wrote this as, as, as a kind of a post-Me Too. She was able to speak out and um, talk about what consent means, especially um, in a, a very literary culture. Uh, and so those two memoirs I would absolutely recommend. And I think we're about there. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Alyssa, for showing up and joining me here on KZMU Radio Book Club. Uh, you can listen to this episode of Radio Book Club on our archives. All of KZMU's shows are automatically archived for two weeks under the archives tab at kzmu.org. And then Radio Book Club is also available on the KZMU Public Affairs podcast. Uh, You can find past episodes of Radio Book Club and other public affairs shows wherever you get your podcasts. And then new episodes are uploaded on Friday. All right. Thanks, everybody. And um, we'll see you next, next month. See you next month, everyone. All right. Bye. You can hear Radio Book Club live on the KZMU airwaves every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. Find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org.